it wouldn't be Father's Day without some good dad jokes. So um, I'm going to share a few with you. And uh, here we go. Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it's a soap opera. What do the tick or what what do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both parasites. So with a dad joke, if you don't laugh, that's fine. You, it's more like a grunt, like ah. It's more like that. Okay, that's when you know it's good. I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. What did one hat say to the other? Stay here. I'm going on ahead. What time did the man go to the dentist? 2.30. Arabella. <laughs> All right, and th this is my favorite one. I put it at the end. How do you make a Kleenex dance? You put a little boogie in it. That's right. So, all right. Well, hey, today uh, is Father's Day, and it's our heart to honor uh, you fathers and those men who are brothers, uncles, grandpas, uh, godly male, male role models. Um, this is important uh, because you matter. Uh, you have giftings and things to offer. You have a purpose, and you're needed today more than ever. So today's message is called Brave because as men, it's what we're called to be. So we are going to spend the next couple of minutes and talk about the different qualities that make men men. Can I get some grunts? Uh, all right. So we're going to spell out the word or the acronym BRAVE. We're going to keep it simple. All right. We're going to spell it out for you all. Um, and then so Ryan, let's introduce you guys. This is Ryan Smith. I'm Jordan, Jim, Chuck, Scott. So B-R-A-V-E. It's like we did that on purpose. So we're each going to share a little bit. Um, but before we do, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump right into it. So, Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for Father's Day and what that represents, Lord. Uh, today, as we honor our, our men, Lord, would you clarify in our hearts what our purpose is? Um, would you give us that unction to press into our purpose completely? And we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to hand this over to Ryan Smith. Let's give it up for Mr. Smith. I want to thank you. I no longer have to be Vanna White now. Thank you. Oh, there we go. How do I sound now? Thank God. Am I up? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? All right, here we go. All right, yeah, the first thing um, that I want to do, and it's a, a privilege and honor to be up here for Father's Day, is just to recognize the men of Rockside Church, uh, whether you're a father or not, you guys mean a lot to this body. So please stand up just for a quick second. Let's, let's just honor our, our men of the church. There we go. We got everybody up. All right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And, and again, it means a lot to have godly men in this body. So um, my word is bold, and we're going to get to bold, but I just want to um, have a realistic look at what's going on with men and how God has called us to be bold in this day and time, because I feel like there's a lot going on um, in the world right now, and God wants to raise up men um, and leaders. So uh, we're going to start. Let me start my timer here. I got a little bit of time, so we're going to try and get a lot in here. Um, 
the first thing, if you guys realize, in our society right now, men have been uh, under attack. Fathers have been under attack. Masculinity in itself has been put at the forefront, and um, it's nothing more than a plan from the enemy uh, to take wisdom and knowledge that comes from men um, and discredit it. And so we all recognize that. We all understand that. Um, but there is a better way uh, for, for God to work. So, um, you know, we've heard these terms of, of toxic masculinity um, that are floating around out there. Um, and uh, what's the other one? Um, oh, the mansplaining type of reality we're in. Uh, you know, it's that Megan Trainer song, uh, I'm your mother, you listen to me. Stop all your mansplaining, no one's listening. And it's cute, it's kind of subtle, but there's a message there, and it starts from a young age. Um, that it, you know, the enemy's there to, to snuff out, um, you know, what God has put. So um, the effect that that's had is that we have a lot of passive men now in our society because there's a fear to speak out, to say something, to do what's right. And so that is something that God is counter to God. God doesn't want us to be passive. There's a boldness, again, that we're going to talk about that God has for us. So get rid of the passiveness. And we're going to march into boldness. So this morning, I just want to challenge the men in the room and ask, do you know who you are? Do you know who God has made you as a father, as a leader? Do you understand it? We don't take our read from society and what is going on now. We take it from where God is giving us. So, all right. So um, I'm going to read a couple verses. There's a lot there. Some of these are messages in their own, but we're just going to highlight a couple pieces of each one of these verses. So the first one, when it comes to fatherhood, let's look at Ephesians 3, 14 through 15. Um, this was part of a prayer from the Ephesians. And what it says is, for this reason, I kneel before the father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. The Greek word for family Patrios is a derivative from the Greek word for father. So the very essence of family and community is about fatherhood and leadership and men. So if you, this is the first time, I'm sure for some of you, you've heard that before. But again, think about that. Fatherhood was there from the beginning, from families. And that's where God has placed you. That is a place. And again, I just want to say, too, even if you don't have physical children, that doesn't matter. You can still be a father. Every man in here is still a leader and a father in some way. So when I say father, don't think I'm just speaking about biological, but it, it goes further than that. Um, so again, that's who God has made us. Um, and the question again, how are you to lead? If you're not passive, you're leading boldly. The definition of the word bold, showing an ability to take risk, confident and courageous, not frightened of danger. So in a worldly sense, there is, you know, this machismo that I'm not afraid <laughs> of anything, that being bold, you know, I can just go to the gym and work out enough and, you know, I don't have to be afraid. But that's not what God is talking about here. In God's community, boldness looks a different way. Okay, so in Proverbs 28, uh, verse 1, there you go, you can hear me now. The, uh, again, here's another verse that I'm going to pull a couple things out of. The wicked flee when no one 
pursues, but righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Two words, again, bold, but also righteous. At the heart of being bold is righteousness. So um, Isaiah 64, 6, the righteous, or I'm sorry, righteous are as bold as a lion. Yeah, um, our righteousness, again, this isn't about us. This is what it says about our righteousness, Isaiah 64, 6. Our righteousness are as, as filthy rags. And so in our own strength, in our own righteousness as men, as individuals, it's repulsive to God. Our righteousness is not uh, what we're bringing to the table. The righteous ones are the ones who trust in the Lord. And so I want you to understand with boldness and righteousness, righteousness is our gift that we take because of God. The day that he died on the cross, there was an exchange that happened. He took our sins and we took on his righteousness. Righteousness makes you what? Bold. So it is not in our strength again. It is because he sacrificed for us that we have the righteousness. So um, my challenge again for our guys is uh, true masculinity and boldness is in a submitted place. It is in a place of domination, of taking control, but it's in a, a place of submission. So in order for us to be bold and to step forward and to be leaders, we must live our lives on our knees, live our lives surrendered so that in his righteousness, we access boldness. And that is a message, again, for all of us. It's counterculture because culture tells us, you know, masculine means you're, you're buffed up and, you, you know, you lead and uh, you're intimidating, not in God's economy. So for all guys, just remember, in order for you to be bold, you must be submitted and stand in God's righteousness. Um, so a submitted leader is what I bring you for boldness today. So That's good. So my word was, uh, so he, bold, B, R is relational. So as men, we're meant to be in relationship. And I only have five minutes. There's lots of relationships we have. Um, so I'm going to just list them real quick. Number one, our relationship with God. Uh, your wife can't save you. Your spouse can't save you. God's number one. Amen? Uh, number two, our relationship with our spouse, if you have one. Number three, our relationship with our kids. Um, number four is everyone else. But in this category, I want to talk about uh, one that we're not the best at, okay? And it is our relationship with our friends. And I say our friends. When I say our friends, I don't mean your wife's friends that you inherited. Uh, I don't mean uh, your kids or your extended family. I don't mean your neighbor that you wave to while you're backing out of the driveway. And I definitely don't mean Jerry at the office where you have a corporate small talk with every Monday morning. He's, uh, I mean friends. I mean relationships where they know you and you know them, right? People that invest in you as you invest in them. Men older than you and men younger than you. Friends you can dis, uh, disciple and others who can disciple you. And uh, we aren't good at this, okay? Uh, here's, here's some uh, stats I want to throw at you. According to data from the Survey Center for American Life, it says 30 years ago, a majority of men, 55%, reported having at least six close friends. Today that number has been cut in half. 27% of men have six 
or more close friends. 15% of men have no close friendships at all, a five-fold increase from 1990. We're living in a world that's more isolated than ever, and that's pulling us away from each other. Um, as men, we're designed to be in relationship with each other. Uh, Jesus said this to his friends, his disciples in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Here's a quote from R.C. Sproul. In the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with acting than with feeling. The call to love is not so much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is a quality of action. To put it this way, DC Talk put it this way, I don't care what you say, I don't care what you heard. The word love, love is a verb. Remember that? Hi, Dad. Shout out to you. He would blare that it was, the year was 1999, and we were just blaring that on the way to church. Anyways. Um, and you, you, okay, so you see this, this, an example of this issue play out in the New Testament with Jesus. And Peter, one of his closest disciples, it's found in, in Matthew 26, verses 31 through 35. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will fall away on, on account of me. For it is written... I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will flock and, and be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you would disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So Peter in this passage is showing noun love. He's showing a feeling. He's showing words. Lord, I will never uh, disown you. And later he does the opposite with his actions. He disowns Jesus. What he said and what he did were two separate things. So after the resurrection, uh, Jesus and Peter had this conversation in John 21, 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus is saying to Peter, I want action behind your words. I want your love for me to be more than just feelings, just empty promises, but words, or just action. I want action. He's saying to Peter, do you love me? Then love them by laying down your life for them. So I'll ask you today, in your friendships, do your words match your action? In this church, do we have people who know us and we know them? When we're in trouble, do we have relationships here where we can go? If your toilet blows up, do you have someone you can call? If someone calls you with their toilet <laughs> getting blown up, 
would you go help them? Is your toilet blow up? He does have a Home Depot gift card. <laughs> um, so this challenge for fa is for fathers, but also everyone else in here. I just want to challenge us to open our lives up to each other. If we're truly family, and we are, we're a spiritual family, God has called us together. Let's live that out. I challenge you with that. Um, be humble enough to ask for help when you need it. Uh, look for those relationships. And if you can't find a friend, and, and I'm sometimes that way. I'm like, oh, I have no friends. Like, no one wants to be my friend. If that's you, be that friend for someone else, right? Because that's what Jesus called us to do, not just to say we love, but to lay down our lives and actually do it. Alrighty. Well, we're on to the letter A, which is accepting or acceptance. Uh, there are a number of different ways we could go with this, uh, a lot of different forms of acceptance. Um, I can tell you what it's not. Uh, if I have 20 parking tickets and my car is being towed, just accepting that, uh, that's just the consequences of your actions. That's something entirely different. Um, certainly there are a number of biblical examples for um, acceptance. Um, you can think of Job who lost his family, his whole family dies, he's riddled with boils, et cetera, et cetera, but he's not cursing God or, you know, questioning it. He's accepting that God's still with him. Um, certainly, Jesus accepting his role on the cross for our salvation is like the ultimate acceptance. And I also, I, I oftentimes think, and one of my favorite Old Testament stories is about, um, is the story of Joseph and um being sold into slavery by his brothers, being thrown into jail, falsely accused. And you don't hear him, like, cursing God or saying, hey, what's going on? Or, um, uh, in fact, he's, he, he's interpreting dreams, and he's still honoring God. He's saying, oh, this is because God gave me this gift. Um, and that's the type of acceptance that I like to talk about, which is when we accept Jesus in our heart, it doesn't mean things are always going to be rosy and peaches and cream. It's that there are going to be challenges, problems, all sorts of troubles, but he's going to walk with us. Um, is anyone familiar with the serenity prayer? You probably are. You've heard this, I'm sure. It's God grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This is one of the tenets of um, Alcoholics uh, Anonymous. And um, they're not a religious organization, but they are definitely spiritual. And... Um, what, what they do to help uh, individuals is, uh, what they support is, um, it's, it's mutual support, personal growth, and a connection to a higher power. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> like that's, that's our lives. Even if you don't have an addiction, it's, it's a great symbol of what we need in our lives and um, the areas that we uh, uh, are challenged by. Um, I would say, like, in our own church family here, we've heard incredible stories and testimonies of uh, people with uh, really serious health issues and how they were just at peace. And I just found that incredible to, to share and say, like, you know, yeah, I know. I don't know where, my, where this is headed, you know, I, I, but they're at peace because they know God's with them. And it may be different for every one of us. It could be financial. Um, it could be relationships. I can say for myself, I know we, uh, a lot of my brothers here are divorced, and I am as well. Um, that was probably one of my biggest personal challenges, and that really applies to this acceptance aspect. 
Um, I was married for 18 years. I was a stay-at-home dad for almost 10 years, and that was my identity. And it wasn't until, and I was angry about it. I was like, God, don't you see what's going on down here? Like, you see this. I know you see it. <laughs> like, a little help, please. Um, real humble of me, right? And, uh, but uh, when he gave me that sign that, yeah, I am with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm walking with you through this. Then I came, became be, be at peace with it and be able to accept it. And um, that's, that's, I guess that's a, the, the aspect of acceptance that I like to relay, that um, God accepts us who, who we are, flawed, sinful, filthy. But he takes us in anyway. He has a room at the table for us. We accept him in our hearts. Doesn't mean, I mean, doesn't stop there. Uh, acceptance is an action. It's not just, oh, I believe and going to heaven, I'm good. No, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be troubles. But he's going to be with you. He's going to walk with you throughout that. Um, so that was that's my message on acceptance. But I'd like to end on my own dad joke. Okay. This yeah. and this is a biblical one too. Um, at what time of day was Adam created? Just before Eve. <laughs> oh, you left. Oh, somebody had groans. That's okay. It's working. It's working. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Let's let's pass it over to Chuck. So my word was victorious, and uh, I'm going to share with you pretty much like a live testimony right now. Um, you know, God, I'm so thankful for my Heavenly Father. Um, he has been there through all my victories. Um, one of them sitting right over there. And, um, you know, he's also there in the defeats, and that's something I have been learning this season. So during fasting, which we started in January, I started getting memes on Michael Jordan and couldn't really figure that out. But then there's previews of a new movie coming out with him. And everywhere I looked, it was Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. And I didn't really know what all this meant, but I kept God kept bringing it up, and I went to minister's retreat, and one of the messages was, God takes the insignificant and makes it significant. And I got to thinking, uh, maybe this is something bigger than just Michael Jordan. Um, went to, uh, with a, spoke with a mentor of mine, and was bringing all this stuff up with him, and he goes, I want you to go and picture a time when you felt defeat. And I started reliving that moment. And he goes, now I want you to picture Jesus in that moment. Changes your perspective on the moment, on the hard times, on the defeats of life. Um, he then decided to pray for me. And I was on one knee, and he, he said, asked the Holy Spirit to give me a new name, give me a vision, give me something. So as I'm on one knee, I felt the king of kings knighting me and calling me a champion. Sounds like Michael Jordan. I go to my car, feeling very emotional with all this stuff that I'm <laughs> processing. The first worship song that comes on is Champion. And I'm going to share you some lyrics here from the song. It says, 
I've tried so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it that you chose someone like me to carry your victory. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly places, undefeated, with the one who has conquered it all. Now I can finally see it. You're teaching me how to receive it. So let all the striving cease. This is my victory. I also ended up being at a bookstore during the pastor's retreat. And I was looking in the Christian section, and I didn't um, find anything that jumped out at me. So I started wandering around in the store, and there was this bright red book. And it was called Life Lessons of Michael Jordan. <laughs> I did buy it. And it was, but it, was, it was really touching, though, because it had some quotes in it. And there was a quote in there that stood out to me. And it said, you have to lose before you can win. And that's like the Christian walk, right? I mean, we were born defeated until we accepted Jesus Christ. Then we gain the victory. And so my challenge is, if you are feeling defeated today, as a Christian, as a spouse, as a mother or a father, give that to Jesus. Let him be there for you. Grab his hand. Let him pick you up off the court. Get back in the game. Get your uniform, your, body, your, God of, your armor of God. And get back in the game. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Give thanks to God. Through Jesus Christ, we are victorious. So let's go and be champions, everyone. Let's win this. And so my part is brought to you by the letter E. Encouraging. <laughs> and so, um, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are. Um, encouraging is to give support, confidence, or help to someone. But I like this other verb, is help or stimulate to develop, right? Iron sharpens iron. Um, and then as I began to think, well, as I looked at that scripture in context, um, that before 511, it's talking about we are children of the light. Um, it's not just all of a sudden a new thought. It's part of that thought that we are children of the light, that we should not be sleeping or indulging in the ways of the world is another expression. Um, and that we're to be putting on the armor of God, helmet of salvation, right? And then I begin to think, okay, what does encouraging look like? Because it really depends on the relationship. 
It depends on where the person is, so accepting where they are. Um, I know a lot about what it isn't, right? Reading in Job this week, Job's friends, okay? Now, I was originally going to diss them, but when I read Job 2.13, Job's friends were silent for seven days and seven nights. And then the advice monster kicked in, right? I'm sorry, I don't go seven days and seven nights without that advice monster. It's with me constantly. And so, but I know from being on the receiving side, I don't like to be told what to do. And so how do we encourage people when we're telling them what they should be doing? Or telling them, the reason why you have these boils is because of there's sin in your life. And I think of all those friends that have battled with cancer, and so many people come up to them and say, what sin do you have in your life? I have one friend who's sarcastic enough that responded, well, there's just so many, I don't know exactly which one he's smiting me for. Um, so it's So I know that's not encouraging, right? So it's keeping but speaking up at the right time. And that takes relationship. It takes boldness to do that. It takes a good deal of acceptance because it's not about me. When I'm encouraging Chuck, it's not about me. But I feel good when that advice monster is fed. Um, and then to end, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers do not or exas exasperate, whatever that word. <laughs> Don't frustrate your kids, right? Don't frustrate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, right? And that's what we're to do. We're to, just as in Thessalonians, it talks about building each other up. We're to build each other up. Then in Ephesians, we're to instruct our children. We're to raise them. And so it's about them. It's not about us. So we, uh, we're going to end uh, with prayer. And I was not sure how to hear Leah. You squeeze in here. A lot of people up here. It's amazing how much stuff we fit up here. Um, I'm impressed. But anyway, sorry. Squirrel. So we're going to end in prayer. And uh, I was thinking, how are we going to end this? And I was, the plan was for me to just pray over you guys. But I would like each of us um, to just pray into um, our portion of brave. So uh, for boldness, uh, to, for us to be relational, for us to be accepting, victorious, encouraging. Um, so... Ryan, I'll hand it off to you, 20 seconds. You know, can I have all the guys stand up? And if you have a, a guy around you, put your you can feel free to surround them as we pray. So here we go, we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you are the ultimate father, that you are the perfect father for each one of us, Lord. 
And we just honor you, number one, today on Father's Day, Lord. And we honor those that you have sent as gifts, those fathers, those men that are represented here, and the families, Lord. We pray a blessing over them this morning, Lord. Lord, I just speak out for just boldness for each one of these fathers. For each one of these men, may they step into your righteousness, Lord. Your character, it is in you that we find boldness. And your strength, not our own, Lord. So I just pray this morning for extra submission and an understanding that laying everything before your feet makes us strong, makes us bold. And so I just pray for boldness for each man represented here. Not in our strength, but in yours. Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray for every father and every man here, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't be typecast into that isolated person that doesn't need anyone, Lord. But would we submit, like Ryan said, to your design that we need relationships. It's not good for us to be alone. Lord, I pray that we would be humble enough to ask for help when we need it. Lord, I pray that the men in this church, that we would rise up. And if we see a need, if we see someone not included, if we see someone uh, who needs, uh, needs our help, that we would be the first to raise our hand and say, I'm in. I'll be your friend. I'll help you. I'm here for you. And Lord, as we do that, I pray that you would build a community here of men that are leaders in their home, leaders in their workplace, friends to people who maybe don't deserve it, Lord. And as we do that, would you use us to push the gospel forward? Lord, I pray that we would just look to you as the one who laid down their life for us. Would we lay down our lives for others? awesome God you are. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you accept us as um, just like a prodigal son. Uh, we, we come back um, unfaithful. We come back filthy. And you put your robe on us and you put rings on our fingers. Uh, thank you, Lord, for accepting us for who we are. And uh, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today, uh, Jesus, that uh, whatever challenges and uh, burdens that they have, that they know they can lay them at your feet. Um, your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And uh, Lord, we just uh, pray for your peace. We work through these challenges. We work through these burdens. Um, Lord, uh, thank you for, for being with us every step of the way. And um, giving us that assurance that
can win this championship together with you and with each other. So, Lord, I just pray that they feel encouraged today, that they feel like winners when they leave this sanctuary today. Thank you, Jesus. And Heavenly Father, for those that are hurting today, for those that are mourning, I ask that we could bring an encouraging word that we could speak life 